you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Lawrence goes downfield and the catch is made. To up goes deep. Touchdown, Alabama. Pat's interference. Jalen Hurts solidified himself. He will go down as probably one of my favorite players of all time. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. The Alabama's offensive coordinator position has become just like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Don't you find it kind of shocking we haven't been taken off iTunes yet? Hey everyone, Christian Miller here, former Alabama linebacker number 47, and you're listening to Pat's Interference. What's up everybody? Hope you had a great holiday. We've now moved into 2020. Hard to believe, hard to believe. It's uh, finally the future here. Pat's Interference, year five. Episode 18, we've made it to the very uh, twilight of the season here, just a couple days outside of the national championship. All the bowls have been played. There's one game left to go, and uh, we got a lot to catch up on here on the podcast. You're listening to a college football podcast, Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Brickman, joined alongside my uh, beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, brilliant co-host, Patrick Norwood. And uh, how you doing today, son? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. No uh, I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, trying to get into the new year. Lovely, lovely wife and I are moving into a new home soon. So that's good. Fantastic. Trying to pack up all of our stuff. I will actually have a desk where I can sit and podcast. How about that? First time in podcast history. <laughs> well, join the club because I've had one since yeah. we started, but I use a desktop, which is very much on its last legs here, by the it's way. It's dying. It is. Yeah, no, it's actually a uh, good Christmas ask. <laughs> my my computer is actually struggling to record this podcast as we speak. It's like probably a full second behind. It's going on the timeline, people, but it's not. It's not what it once was. It's kind of sad because I bought this. It's, I look. I bought this computer five years ago, basically to to to, the to do this podcast. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember it well. But it, it, I remember it, it well. I'm really excited it, it, about it. It really be like that sometimes. That's that's the way it People goes. People don't think it'd be like that, but it do, but though. It, hey, everybody, thank do. you so much for listening. This is uh, this is a college football podcast. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it's actually your favorite one. Yep. If you've never listened to us before. You can find us on social media. We're at PI underscore podcast on Twitter, at Pat's Interference on Facebook. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. You can also go to our website at patsinterference.com. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, not Spotify, because we do not like those dudes. Uh, and, you know, we might be on YouTube soon. We have a TikTok. Uh, we do have a TikTok. <laughs> have we posted We've anything? Posted no, I didn't think so. Nope. And, <coughs> and my wife and I uh, look at it almost daily to laugh at uh, to laugh at the generation behind us. Or I guess laugh with them. They're actually really funny. They are funny. TikTok's great. We TikTok's are, great. I think in this episode, right, the, today our, our, our main focus today in this in this episode is is we're going to spend probably a, a good 90 minutes on the bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl so buckle in the granddaddy of them all the belk bowl <laughs> uh didn't you, you went to that one though so you know i did go to the belt bowl it was a blast it was a great game i was i was disappointed in the result because i was cheering for my buddy in the Hokies, but that was a great football game poor kevin poor kevin poor poor kevin. kevin's had right. Kev, back kevin's now. had a, a rough go of it lately Hasn't he? Well, I'm, no, I like no. not like in his life. Sorry, not like poor Kevin's life. Like Sports when it comes wise, to football, well, yes. I mean, he he had the Nationals. Oh, he was a Nats fan. Never yeah, mind. I mean, way so, to go, Kevin! You completely redeemed yourself, uh, sports wise. I mean, the Capitals. The Capitals won the Stanley Cup on my birthday two years and can ago. We, so no, you couldn't be can, farther can, away. From can can we be honest? Uh, no, no fan base in sports has had it 
more rough this year than Alabama Crimson Tide fans. That's true. Uh, also, I do want to give a quick shout out right quick because Kevin Burke is one of the only people who will probably remain perfect all time in calling upsets on this podcast. Really? As he did uh, one night when he co-hosted with me right before we drove to Tuscaloosa for the Missouri matchup. Good for him. He, he called two He called two upsets. He did a great job. I was proud of him. Wow. Uh, so shout out Kevin Burke. He should have just replaced me for good. No, don't you say that. Don't you say that. You're my best friend in the whole world. You'd have to just change the name of the podcast. It wouldn't make any sense, it'd be, but... It'd be Pat's Burke, and that would be terrible. That's no good. So we're not going to do it. That's no good. That's the reason we're not going to do it. But uh, Okay, we're not going to like review all the bowls. Okay, that's, that's not what we're here to do. We're going to go over the New Year's Six Bowls. Uh, we'll talk about the playoff uh, semifinals. Talk about the national title. Talk about uh, headlines, everything from Tua to Mike Leach. Um, I'm kind of glad we waited as long as we did. I know it's kind of been a while, everybody, but uh, we wanted to enjoy time with our families for the holidays. And honestly, it's been nice to just talk to Patrick Brimman about things that didn't involve the podcast. Uh, most of them did revolve around college football, but you know we weren't talking about it in a podcast sense. And now we're refreshed. Right. We're renewed. We needed this. Batteries. We 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 need it. We yeah. need it because it feels like. Really, the only thing holding our friendship together sometimes is this podcast. And if it were to just fall under, we'd never talk to each other again. So we need these well, weeks sometimes yeah. to, uh, yeah. you know. And in the off season, we hardly speak. Um, that's not even true because in the off season this year, I get to see you, dog. We're gonna celebrate my birthday for the third time together. That's right. That's right. Why don't we ever do my birthday? It's always about you. Because your birthday's on Cinco de Mayo, and if we celebrated your birthday together, I'm sure one of us wouldn't make it out of it. Yeah, but for a minor league baseball person, isn't Cinco de Mayo a great time to take you know a I'm vacation? Right about that too. Oh, I know. How are the uh, since we're talking college football? How how are the Bulls looking? You know, what's their outlook this season? What What do you mean? Just how 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 are how, how's your how's your team look? The Durham Bull. He works for the Durham Bulls, by the way. New listeners. Oh, the Bulls. I thought you said the Bulls. No, 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 no. The Bulls no. are done. No, 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 no. The um, Durham Bulls. What's their outlook for this season? We're we're gonna be all right. We got to figure out a roster, um, because most of the prospects got got traded or called up last year. Uh, so whoever we get back, I'm sure we'll be fine with. But the skipper's coming back, getting Brady Williams for a second year. He led the team to the playoffs last year and was. One game away from going to the championship, or from winning the championship, I should say. Um, so you know things happen, but it, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year over there. We got a lot of new people. We had a lot of turnover during the holidays, which at first seemed really bleak and kind of dark, if I'm being honest. And now, uh, now it's really turning itself around. We got a good little, good little crew in the marketing department, gelling really well. Everybody seems to be doing really well. We're we're excited, man. I'm 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 ready to go for next season. What's one name to look I, out I for? One name to look out for. One name yeah. to look out. for. Uh, if he comes back, Brendan McKay is a two-way player. He pitches and he hits. I've heard of him. Um, he, he he came in the tail end of last year and played really well. Uh, so if he comes back, I mean, Tampa may keep him. He's the name to look out for. Uh, a, a little TBT name for you that was with us all last season. Great guy. Really hope he comes back to the Bulls, but he may decide to hang it up. Emilio Bonifacio. I remember him. Yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty good on my Marlins for, that's where he broke out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and when you break out on the Marlins, you get traded. That's exactly what happens. Thank you for that. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Let's talk about these New Year's Six Bowls, shall we? Yeah. You had you had uh, uh, quite a few good ones, if we're being honest. You had, the, you had the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor, which was close, uh, but Georgia pulled it out, and then Matt Rule left Baylor 
Uh, it was kind of weird because he had Matt Luke on the sideline for Georgia and a month ago he lost in the Egg Bowl, but we'll get a little bit more into that uh, later on. So you had that. Uh, other New Year's Six Bowls, you had the Cotton Bowl uh, between uh, Memphis and who did Memphis play? Memphis lost to Penn State. Yes. Um, Penn State played a great game. Um, you had the Orange Bowl between Florida and Virginia, which looked like it was going to be a slaughter. But Bryce Perkins, man, he can he can sling it. Good little quarterback. There's, there's no other way around. It. Yeah. Uh, and Florida looks like their normal Florida selves, where at times they were completely unstoppable, and it looked like they were an unbeatable team. And then at other times they looked completely laughable. But they they came out with a win, thirty six to twenty eight, and that Florida team is going to be something to be reckoned with next year, man. They're they're going to be good. They're going to be good. I'm calling it now. Um, that that Florida team's really going to challenge for the East. Uh, one one of one that, of the only SEC teams I can think of towards the top. Uh, that 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 on paper you look at Florida and you go, it's easy to see them being better no matter what next year. You can look at LSU. You can see a regression with LSU. You can see a regression with Alabama. Right? No Tua. We don't know what the defense is going to do. Auburn. The whole defense leaves. Uh, Georgia obviously has lost their entire offensive line. Jake Fromm just declared the other day. So, floor, big year for Dan Mullen coming up. But, and there are several coaches. Jeremy Pruitt's got a big year. But, yeah, Florida, look out for them. Could be a playoff contender late in the season, for real. Yeah, look out for them. Look out for them. Uh, we, we also said we we're going to talk a little bit about Alabama and Auburn. Alabama uh, beating Michigan soundly in the second half. Not quite the case in the first half, but the final score is 35-16 thanks to a late touchdown from Najee Harris that may have rubbed Jim Harbaugh the wrong way. Talk about that in a second. Minnesota beating Auburn 31 to 24. Auburn playing the classic Auburn and Gus Malzahn being classic Gus Malzahn, where beats Alabama and they look like a borderline NFL team, and then come out in the bowl game and completely lay an egg. Uh, it's a tale as old as time. But first, let's talk about Alabama uh, and Saban versus Harbaugh, the 13 versus 14 matchup. Mac Jones going for 327 yards in this one brick uh jerry judy the citrus bowl mvp with 204 yards receiving um mac jones only threw nine incompletions had three touchdowns uh naji harris had a pretty good day 24 carries 136 yards and two touches um and then you look at the other side of the ball shea patterson 17 for 37 for 230 yards a little over 230 one touchdown but he threw two picks and really overthrew a lot of open receivers downfield. Brick, what were your takeaways from this game? Uh, was it an instance where Alabama just needed some time to wake up, or was it just the new roster, the amount of injuries? What was it about Alabama that made them come alive in the second half, and where did the two programs go from here? The big thing for Alabama was was just the, the statement that the even though most of them are leaving, just all the players that came back and played made, uh, and, and, and really a... You know, there are going to be years that Alabama doesn't make the playoff, this being one of them. There's going to be years that, uh, just like this year, where things don't come together. But but the fact that this year's group of juniors sort of gives Nick Saban something to to mention, you know, from from now on. Uh, some, some, some good fuel. Besides that, uh, I, I think Nick Saban just kind of got onto his team at halftime because it was, it was a completely different script after halftime. Uh, most people thought Michigan might actually go on and, you know, run away with that game early in that second quarter. Uh, they were doing everything they wanted offensively. Um, yep. I don't know what it was. Uh, Michigan sort of went away from a couple of the things that they were doing well, which is sort of inexplicable. But um, 
yeah, it, it was a case of the, the main takeaways, because again, J- Judy's gone, Harris is probably gone, Ruggs is gone, uh, is is Mac Jones kind of coming in there and playing another good game. Yeah, yeah, Mac Jones with a QBR of 87.4, which is a made-up ridiculous stat that we don't really like anyway, but he did play a pretty good game. He had some bad passes, but his deep balls were on the money, especially the first play of the game offensively for Alabama, hitting Jerry Judy down the sideline for, what was it, an 80-yard, 70-yard touchdown. Uh, Brick, let's circle back to Michigan, okay? And we're going to, we're going to, I want you to close your eyes and put yourself in a time machine and go back to the very first episode of this season when you and I put Michigan in the playoff. Right. They are now 9 and 4. The trajectory is not looking great for Michigan overall. Uh I'm just going to come out and ask it. Do they need to get rid of Harbaugh yes or no and why? It's no, not no. Like they don't getting rid of Harbaugh's I I don't know that that's the answer because there's not a guy out there that I would rather have than Harbaugh at this moment. Um you know he was such a slam dunk when they got him. Now it's 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 the, this is what Michigan is. It's just what they are right now. It's just they unless they can let, start landing some generational talent, they're just losing every every single battle to to Ohio State, every single battle. Yeah. And and I don't I can't look at a guy out there that and go well he's obviously a better coach than Harbaugh. This is probably Harbaugh's worst stop. In a while, right? He quickly turned around Stanford. He took the 49ers to the Super Bowl in a couple of years. Uh, this can only be looked at as nothing but a failure so far uh, for what Michigan fans and Michigan's program should be. But this is what they are. This is what they've been. This is what they've been since 2006 when they contended for a national title. This is what they've been since Chad Henney was their quarterback. This is what they are mm. right now. It's yeah. They're not. They're not a top tier program. They just aren't. And, and, and I, Harbaugh's I think, got them better than they were. This is still a better Michigan program than we saw in the early 2010s. But they're not they're they're not a dominant pro. I, I there's there, there's a shelf life in my mind on programs, and you you can't go. I don't know what I say. 2006, almost 15 years of of just very mediocre. That's your mediocre program. Once you've gone 15 years of being mediocre, right? Look at Tennessee. I think I think mediocre is a little tough when they've consistently been a 10-win team over the past six years. But you're right. I get what you're saying. It's it's the fact that they've plateaued. And there's there's no – this is the point when you're supposed to be breaking through that ceiling. Sorry, right? yes. If maybe I'll, I'll, go, I'll say second tier. Maybe not low second tier program. Yeah. I, I understand that. I understand that. I, I think it is time to get rid of Jim Harbaugh. He's had plenty of chances. He's had the recruits. He's had transfers. Um, it, it's just, it's never come together and you can blame it on this or that all you want to. But at the end of the day, if the program is not winning and they're consistently hitting that plateau again of nine, 10, 11 win seasons, it's time to make a change. It's, it's, it's the same thing as Georgia and Mark Richt. Uh, it's, it's the same thing as, you know, any number of coaches you want to insert here, right? Uh, there's, there's a number we've rattled them off on this podcast before, where it's just he's not getting it done. Yeah, he's getting you close, but he's not getting it done. Um, and I, I think next year's a really big hot seat season for Harbaugh. Um, and and I don't mean that in he if he has another 10-win season, he's safe. I, I really don't think that's the case. I think he needs to go into that final game against Ohio State competing for the Big Ten um, and to be in that playoff discussion 
uh, for his seat to uh, cool off a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they give him another year after next year because next year I think it's supposed to be kind of a rebuilding year for Michigan. Uh, but they've got some serious questions to answer. Uh, other I, I, side I of wanna, the ball, I would be interested in knowing from a Michigan fan why they what they think about the fact that that team was so married to Shea Patterson, who was nothing spectacular and and pretty obvious early on, especially in this season, but that he wasn't gonna be some kind of. I, I don't know. You, you, you just watch what Ohio State keeps producing at quarterback. Um, even even Penn State, you know, keeps putting these good dudes out there, and they're not even superstars. And I'm not saying Shea Patterson was horrible, but Michigan has good receivers, and it's just it it just feels like I don't know. They've got the McCaffrey kid. You like you said, next year is going to be a big year, and and it's going to be sort of rebuilding. If if they can. If one of the they, they're getting good quarterbacks, I remember McCaffrey was a big time recruit. They've got some other ones on there. Right. Their names escape me because it's been a couple of years since they were high school recruits. But I, I'm just wondering, maybe that maybe the, maybe it starts to click with the next quarterback. And I don't expect them to go out there and beat Ohio State next year because Justin Field is really good. But I don't know. I, I'd be I'd just be interested in and in, and in somebody telling me why they were married to to chris not, not christian mccaffrey uh uh shea patterson who is patterson, i've never yeah. been more wrong on a player on this podcast remember when he was at Ole miss how i used to speak about him uh i remember and then alabama dropped him 66 to 3 he transferred and you said that that was a great move for michigan i did i thought it was a turning point for for harbaugh I agree with it you. just it just never materialized it never into anything special it was decent i'm not saying he was horrible he had his moments but it just there's been nothing I, special about Harbaugh's tenure. Well, I want to move on. Uh, let's talk about Alabama just for a second. We'll talk about them a little bit more uh, when we get to the Tua news and everything. I, I think uh, this was a good way to put a bow on the end of the season. I think everybody was kind of looking past this game from an Alabama perspective and probably from a Michigan perspective, too. I know they're probably weren't too excited. Their fans probably weren't too excited to be in the Verbo Citrus Bowl. Uh, but I think with Alabama especially – next season may be the most anticipated A-Day spring scrimmage uh, I can remember since we were in school and the quarterback challenge uh, that year would have been A.J. McCarron and Phillip Sims. Yeah, um, that's I, because I, Tua didn't play, obviously, the year that it was Tua versus right. Hurts. He, was, he right. hurt his finger. So I, I think it's it, this is going to be one of the uh, – the hottest selling tickets in uh, spring football this year will be the A-Day scrimmage in Tuscaloosa. Um, there's there's a lot of question marks on that depth chart, and I think next year, uh, like I said for uh, Michigan and Harbaugh, I don't think that Saban's in any trouble of getting fired, obviously, but I think next year is a big statement year for Alabama. You've got a lot of pieces coming back. Um, obviously, two is not one of those guys, but you've got pieces coming back. You've got people coming back that – um, can kind of help your program. It looks like Sarkeesian may stay. He still could take another job, but it looks like Sarkeesian's going to stay. Still no word on the on the uh, defensive coordinator position. Uh, but Brick, I think next year's a big year for Alabama. They've they've got a that's that's really uh, the fate of the dynasty. I think lies in whatever happens with Alabama next season. Yeah, it's 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 a um it's been a while since I, I can't think of a year re- that that we go into a season not knowing what the team's strength will be. Alabama's always done a good job of relying on their strength. When The years that they win championships, they've done that really well. They've either relied on their defense, or they've relied on Derrick Henry, or they've leaned on Tua in the passing game, or 
I can't tell you what that's going to be. Maybe, maybe it's the passing game. Maybe Mac Jones comes out and starts killing it. Maybe it's Bryce Young. We don't know. There's going to be a great competition in the spring. I don't expect it don't to be the defense. Don't forget Talia either. Um, don't forget Talia. Talia. Yeah, don't 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 yeah. forget Talia. Uh, he could definitely you know progress with a second year under Sark. I don't know that it's going to be the defense, but they did just get their best defensive signing class possibly since Saban's been there on that side of the ball. Running game, we don't know if Najee's coming back. Maybe Trey Sanders is really, really, really good. He was the number one running back in his draft in his high school class. But I couldn't tell you which one. I could not tell you which one of those three I think it'll be. My guess, I have a guess, and I guess we'll get into that more as the season comes around next year. But it is it is an odd, odd offseason for, for uh, Alabama, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's move on a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Minnesota and Auburn very briefly, and then I want to talk about the Rose Bowl a little bit because that was just that's a great football game, and I I don't think there's any cooler than the Rose Bowl, man. I love that game. Uh, Minnesota and Auburn. Uh, you had Minnesota win thirty-one twenty-four. Tanner Morgan going for two hundred and seventy-eight yards. Bo Nix looking absent um, as he did. For a lot of the games, minus, uh, I'd say, the Iron Bowl and the Oregon game and maybe the LSU game, but 17 for 26 for 176 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's not going to do it against this Minnesota team, as we learned. Um, Dartavius Whitlow had uh, nine carries for 24 yards. Yeah, 56 um, I mean, was, yards rushing for Auburn. This was it was my... It was a laughably bad day for the Tigers. Brick, the love affair between Auburn and Gus Malzahn... Uh, swings back and forth um more than a swing set on a playground what where does auburn go from here what do you do you get bo nick back next year but like you said earlier in the podcast you're losing a good chunk of your defense um and i'm pretty sure you're losing two receivers uh most of the receivers cut they they they, i think they lose canella but canella only has like one catch a game and right he did kill alabama with a touchdown catch but now, the, see, the thing is the offense, they they lose most of their offensive line. Uh, I think they lose five five seniors, I think four of which were starters. So I think they'll have one starter coming back. That's not great. Auburn actually kind of maneuvered that pretty well a couple years ago. Um, Alzon's done okay with, with those moments. Receivers all come back. Running backs are all back. And, of course, Bo Nix is back. The thing is, it's, the love affair is not with the fans anymore, with, with Gus Malzahn. I actually know a lot of Auburn fans that after they beat Alabama kind of rolled their eyes and went, well... It's great to beat Alabama, but here we go. That means Gus is safe. Um, right. And it's such a tried and this this bowl game and the way the season ended is such a tried and true thing for Auburn. They they've done this before. They they have these moments. They beat Alabama. They rush the field. All is good on the plains, and they're they're super stoked. And then they just they, they just lay this egg in a bowl game. And and fifty six yards rushing was the big thing in that game. Bo was fine. But he was getting no help from his run, from his running attack, None. and that's usually what they're able to do. They, when they play well, they're running the ball well, and Nick's just has to get it to, you know, Seth Williams a couple times. But it's they're, they're, so you ask me where they go from here. Their hope is that Chad Morris can really jumpstart Bo Nix's progression. Kenny Dillingham was a lame duck as an offensive coordinator. He's just kind of going to FSU. We all knew Gus was pulling all the strings. Kenny Dillingham was a yes man. They brought in Chad Morris from Arkansas. He did wonders with Deshaun Watson at Clemson. He was great there. We'll see if he can come in and, and, and work some some kind of magic on the offense because that's that's going to have to be their strength next year. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, uh, Noah Monogany, all those uh, linebackers and front seven, all those dudes that came back this year made Auburn's defense one of the best in the conference. They're gone. That defense is going to – they'll be fine, but they're going to regress. 
So yeah, that's where they yeah, go. Is, is, is really this this is a big big off season for for Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris to sit down, look at this offense, look at their five star quarterback, and go, "We've got him for a couple more seasons. How can we not waste him?" Yep. I I think another thing that we need to take away from this <coughs> game is how good. Goodness gracious, are you okay? Sorry, I've, I was sick for most of Christmas break. I still got a slight cough, so it'll be intermittent. I'm almost over. I've almost kicked this thing, though. You're a hockey player. You're fine. Yeah. Minnesota going 11-2 and two this season, finishing first in the Big Ten West. Obviously, it didn't sort of end uh, in that regard how they wanted it to, but uh, you had a really, really impressive season this year if you're Minnesota. Brick, is this a one-time fluke? Do you think P.J. Fleck is going to go – maybe get another job, a more high-profile job after this? Or do you think that this is the start of something real for Minnesota in the Big Ten? I'm wondering if in a couple years we're going to be looking back and thinking that Fleck should have sort of capitalized on this year and gotten a bigger job. Um, I don't know that Minnesota is going to have staying power. It's hard to have staying power at Minnesota. Maybe. Maybe Fleck's that good. But that is a tough conference to do it. And luckily, they're in the right division of that conference. Uh, let's be honest. They don't win 11 games if they're in the same division as Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan. They're just not. But right. um, I don't know that they've got – they're, they're going to be fine. I, they'll be better than what we think Minnesota is. I don't know that they've reached that 11-win mark again, in my, in my opinion. They've got a good quarterback, but I just – I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Let's move on to the Rose Bowl. Uh, Oregon winning 28-27 in a thriller. Uh, Justin Herbert rushing the ball was actually the big storyline in this one. He also went 14 for 20 with 138 yards. Uh, Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor had 21 carries for only 94 yards. Um, You had, uh, uh, excuse me, Um, Jack Cohn going 23 for 35 for 186 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, really an up and down back and forth game, but at the end, Oregon just kind of had the staying power. Uh, Wisconsin turned the ball over four times, and I want to talk about this for a second too. Wisconsin controlled time of possession for 38 minutes, which is not something rare for the uh, for the Rose Bowl, right? Right. The, the Big Ten team usually controls time of possession. They also controlled total yards and first downs. But you turn the ball over four times, that's going to happen. Now a lot of Wisconsin fans are angry. Here and there about the refs didn't call this and they called this and why was this called this way? That's not how – and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I And I, we're going to talk about it with Ohio State as well. But – and I don't know if it's a Big Ten thing or if it's just a Wisconsin and Ohio State thing. No one complains more about officiating than Wisconsin this year and Ohio State this year. And I'm going to be really honest with you, Wisconsin – you can't turn the ball over four times against an Oregon team that missed the playoff by one game and expect to win the Rose Bowl. You can't do it. It, it, it just doesn't work. It's not feasible. Uh, and, I, you know, Wisconsin's got to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror about where their program's going to go after this. Um, you know, it's it, that's a tough way to lose, and I understand that. But Wisconsin, kind of like Michigan, seems to just kind of be plateauing uh, and their pinnacle is reaching the Rose Bowl, which is great. That's an awesome feat. But you just finished a season 
where everybody was talking about how you were unstoppable, how your defense didn't give up a touchdown for three games in a row, and you finished the season with four losses. That can't happen. It can't happen. Eventually, you have to bust through the ceiling. And I think Wisconsin will one day, obviously, you know, time's infinite and all that. But I think that uh, I, I really think that the big storyline from this game were the turnovers for Wisconsin. And yet again, it looks like Wisconsin just kind of can't get the job done uh, when the spotlight's on them. Yeah, they got to win a Rose Bowl at some point. But I'm actually Wisconsin that is the inexplicable team that I don't know how they have so much staying power. I mean, they're going to finish the season in the top, I don't know, 15. Uh, I, what what kind of talent are they getting at Wisconsin? Or they, they're still winning. They're still getting the Rose Bowls. Um, this is, but this is about what Wisconsin is. They're about a 9-10 win team, which is awesome for that program. But I don't know. I, I don't see them ever winning a national championship. I don't see them ever really overcoming... There's just too many good teams in the Big Ten all in a row for, for for me to think that Wisconsin gets past them. Maybe one of these days they get through their schedule with one loss and then get an upset over Ohio State or something in the conference championship. Where was I going with this? What was the question? I asked you about Wisconsin and where they go from here, and uh, I was going to follow up and ask you about Oregon as oh, well. Sorry. Yes, Wisconsin's in the right division of that conference like Minnesota, but I don't know. Wisconsin's the weird team that I think will always sort of be fine. I guess Oregon. I I really lost my train of thought there, but Oregon is set up. Oregon's got the setup, man. They are. Uh, I'm really really high on this program and where they're going. I think they'll yeah. have one of the best defenses the next two seasons. I think they're recruiting at such a high level that that that's unmatched right now in the Pac-12. Uh, Washington's doing fine, but they just lost their head coach. USC yeah, for you, some well, reason. And you look at you look at Utah as well. Everybody thought Utah was going to be that team this year, and then here we are. Utah's, Utah's the team just, that twice a decade is going to have a top fifteen kind of team, but Utah's not going to year in and year out challenge Oregon. I don't know who's challenging Oregon right now at all right, in the well, Pac twelve. Look at you look at Washington. They just lost Chris Peterson. Washington State loses Mike Leach. USC just clocked in the worst recruiting class they've had maybe ever. Probably ever. US and they kept Hilton. USC Hilton's. just finished behind Rutgers in recruiting. That's ridiculous. That cannot happen. That can't happen at all. Uh so you know, I think if you're Oregon, you're looking around, it's gravy. Yeah, if their quarterback and if their quarterback can be average to good next year, I think Oregon walks into the playoff. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, the biggest threat that Oregon has, and I'm not just saying this because future school, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later, maybe in a future episode. Uh, I think Arizona State could really challenge Oregon for the Pac-12 soon. Uh, Arizona State's got a bunch of very young skill position players. Um, they've got Herm Edwards. He's starting to finally get some of his recruits in there. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's, things are looking up. Things are looking up for Arizona state. And I think if anybody's going to challenge Oregon, it's going to be them. I'd like to say this on the podcast while I'm on it now, because I've seen a couple people speculated at this point, but I think they're coming on later than me. So I need to say it. Um, in about July, maybe I was having a conversation We our whole sports office was having a conversation at work about who the next the, the really really and truly the next head coach at Alabama is and not just the simple oh it's Dabo right 
And I thought about it. Right. No, nobody, bought, nobody bought what I was picking up. Nobody wanted to pick it, put down whatever, pick up what I was putting down. And my answer was Mario Cristobal. Was like he coached under Saban. He's already had one good season at Oregon. He's recruiting really well. He has a track record of success everywhere he's been. He was one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best minor assistant coaches that's been on Nick Saban's staff. He very quickly went up the ladder to head coach at Oregon. And uh, Miami hasn't been the same since he left there. Um, and I think in a couple years, he'll have established Oregon as, as enough of a power. By the time the Nick Saban's retiring, Oregon will be good enough to where they'll look right at him. And he'll, he'll if he's not their first choice, he'll be their second choice. Since, I, I since like they won game. that game... I've seen a lot of people saying that that's the next move for Alabama because I don't think the Dabo comes. I've explained that on this podcast before. So I just wanted no, to throw I, that out I there so he, I can say it today because a lot of people are going to be jumping on it, especially next year when I think Oregon's in the playoff. <coughs> I think, uh, man, you really you really powered through that. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good take. Um, I think the only thing that we would have to worry about with that theory is if Oregon kind of turns into a Clemson, not in the dynasty going to the championship every year way, but it's, you know, he looks up and says, okay, well, why would I leave? Period. Ooh, I, I don't know that that's even a hard choice, the way it is at Clemson right now. Maybe it, maybe it could be to come to the SEC, but it's just, I don't know. You mean, well, I, I think with Oregon, it's just, why would you leave? Oregon's if, a good program with dog, a lot of money, but it's, yeah, I guess I, I, I guess so. Saying. But that's that's the only way that I can see where this doesn't happen, right, is if they become a powerhouse and... He doesn't want to leave. Let's let's move on. Let's talk about the playoff a little bit. Uh, don't want to spend too much time on LSU Oklahoma, uh, mainly because it was just a slaughter. LSU looked unstoppable. Unstoppable. Um, had a bunch of players who had uh, been injured that came into the game and you know made an impact. Joe Burrow broke multiple records. I think he threw for seven total touchdowns. Had 493 yards. Uh, 29 for 39. Um, it was it was just really a beat down. Jalen Hurts. Uh, looked lost, looked completely lost out there. 63-28 was your final. Um, it was tied with about seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter, and then LSU scored uh, two right before the quarter break and never looked back. Uh, the cl- the next closest this game ever got uh, was 28-7 and then 35-14. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it was just a beatdown. It was just a solid beatdown. Uh, sad ending for one of, I, I think one of at least the most interesting stories, if not, uh, greatest stories in college football history with Jalen hurts. Um, that's a, that's a sad ending. That's a tough ending, but not one that wasn't predicted. I think a lot of people kind of saw this coming. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a good peach bowl win for Ed Orgeron and LSU, but they've got bigger fish to fry in the national championship game. Uh, but again, I think for Jalen hurts, this is, this is a sad way to go, but um, you know, he's, he's somebody that I will, I will always look back on as an alumni of Alabama and as a big college football fan. Uh, he's what the sport embodies. I, I don't think it's really a secret that he's not probably going to pan out very well in the NFL unless he moves to running back and something great happens. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he is a perfect embodiment of what the sport is supposed to be. And as my favorite sport in the world and one of my favorite things in the world, period, uh, I, I think it's a great story, and I think he's he's someone that everybody should look to when they say, okay, well, why does college football exist for guys like that? Um, he's he's awesome. He, he's completely awesome. So 
would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, something about him uh, in this podcast. CeeDee Lamb had four receptions for 120 yards. He's uh, going to be great in the NFL one day, um, one day very soon. But Brick, Orgeron and LSU steamrolling everyone they play. Uh, they're going to face a Clemson team, and we're going to go ahead and shift gears and talk about uh, that. Uh, excuse me. That, can I, can uh, I say Fiesta one thing Bowl. about the Peach Bowl? Go for it, please. Other than please. the fact that, other than the fact that the, um, you know, the loss wasn't on Jalen. Jalen's never been the quarterback to. Uh, he's never. He's I never. Would never. No, I would never say the loss was on him. But sorry, it wasn't and this like isn't about you saying it. This is about a lot of people. Okay, sort gotcha, of, gotcha, gotcha. Sort of dumping on him. He's never really been the quarterback to lead a big, you know, comeback, bit large deficit. That's never been his game. Uh, and Oregon's defense or Oklahoma's defense, kind of. Put him in a tough spot there in the second quarter. Um, but beyond that, here, here's what I wanted to say. Nothing really about the game itself. I, I see it's just this is about a lot of the people, very lazy football fans that watch and then just blurt, just blurt things. And I, I yeah. saw a lot of in this game, everybody acting like the committee got it so wrong because because Oklahoma got killed. Like the committee made some Dumb. mistake. Right. The, the, the day that the, the day that the, the playoffs were announced, it was unanimous from everybody. Everybody in college football was unanimous. We all knew the four teams. Everybody. So how did the committee make a mistake? Every single person was picking those four teams. Everybody. Everybody. So I don't understand how it's... But they look at it, oh, this wouldn't have happened with Oregon. What are you supposed to do, put Oregon in after they just lost to Arizona State two weeks ago? Are you really supposed to do that, Baylor? They just lost to this team twice. Who else? Bama just lost to Auburn, can't do Bama. Georgia just got shellacked by LSU last week. Tell me who else they were supposed to put in. Maybe it's just that the talent drop-off from the top three teams in college football is that steep. Maybe look at it and go like that. It just yeah. it, it it I was I was more focused during this game on all the tweets that I kept seeing about how it seemed like you know the committees were ridiculous for including Oklahoma in this playoff. Like what else were they? It's just it's think think about the situation instead of just blurting it to fit in. I don't know. It's it it just was driving me. And it's like yeah, uh, Oklahoma is sort of a week four seed. In, in this year, but it's the only, it was the only choice at the end of the year. Everyone else lost. Everyone else missed their opportunity. Alabama, I'm an Alabama fan. They missed their opportunity. They did not deserve yep. to be in. Nobody, none of these teams, Georgia missed their opportunity or, or Oregon. Who else? Who else? I just, I just don't get it. Five, six, all the way to 13 where Alabama was blew it. Oklahoma is the only team that came out of it with one loss and kind of won the rest of their game somehow, whatever. Um, that, and you know, other than that, uh, maybe Oklahoma does need to start being undefeated to make the playoff because they do keep, kind of keep getting killed every year. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, a great game. Just from a fan's perspective, a great game. Back and forth the entire night. Uh, looked like, and I think, and I'm going to go off about this in a second. Uh, this is kind of part two to my Wisconsin rant. Um, it looked like early you had Ohio State, and they were going to run away with it. That it, that was that. Uh, they it was it was their game to lose. Um, they won uh, the game in total yards. They won the game in time of possession, and they won the game in first downs with 28. Uh, it looked like Justin Fields couldn't miss, but they kept getting into the red zone and kept kicking field goals. 
Okay. This game started off with a 21-yard field goal. Okay. Didn't go for it there. J.K. Dobbins rips off a 68-yard run, one yard away from being pretty nice, uh, and then it's 10 nothing. That's great, but it could have been 14 nothing had you gone for it. Their next two possessions, they also kick field goals. Okay, One, again, they're inside. I think they were inside the five at that point, or right at the five. Uh, and then another one, they were a little bit further out. That one's a little more explainable. But let's say you just go for it, and you just score one of those touchdowns, right? You just score one of them. So this game's right around 20 to nothing, 17 to nothing, okay? Instead, it's 16 to nothing. You've had three field goals, which is great, but your only touchdown has come on a long run, all right? You can't do that and expect to beat Clemson. And you definitely can't beat Clemson if you play not to lose in the first half, which is what Ohio State did. Because with three minutes left in the first half of this game, Ohio State was up 16 to nothing. Going into the locker room, the score was 16-14. And we can talk about the dropped pass fumble debacle that happened, which, in my opinion, was a dropped pass. And I know that everybody's going to jump down my throat about this. I don't care. You don't call a review like that from a replay in slow-mo about a football move on a judgment call. Okay? I'm sorry. You just don't do it. You don't slow down footage to make a judgment call. It's dumb. That's not the reason we got a replay. It was a dropped pass, and even if it weren't, even if it were a fumble and you went down the field and you scored, you should have already put this Clemson team away. But you didn't capitalize in the red zone at all in the first half, and you played not to lose at the end of the first half, and guess what happened? You lost. You lost. And I feel bad for Justin Fields because the last play of the game was not his fault, and he balled out, man. He went 30 for 46 for 320 yards. He threw a touchdown through his second and third interceptions of the year in that second half. Trevor Lawrence did not have as good of a game. 18 for 33, 259 yards for two touchdowns. Uh, he did have 16 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. That was nice. But the big difference in this game was the red zone scoring, was Dabo's ability to line it up and say, no, go for it. Here we go. Line it up. It's the playoff. We're not holding anything back. Trevor Lawrence just getting up, dusting himself off, going and winning the game. I never felt like when Ohio State got the ball back in the fourth quarter, like they were going to go down the field and score the game-winning touchdown. I didn't either. I, I really never felt that. Uh, I felt like something they were either going to get stopped on fourth down or Justin Fields is going to throw a pick. And again, that last pick, not his fault. I don't really think it's the receiver's fault either. It's, it's just miscommunication. It's bad luck. Things like that happen. But this game should have been put away in the first half, and Ohio State didn't do it. So I don't care about any sort of fumble, drop, pass, call. I don't care. That's not where the game was won or lost. And every Big Ten fan, and especially every Ohio State fan that you talk to, talks about how that was the turning point of the game. That was the part of the game where, well, the refs screwed us. No, you screwed yourself. You screwed yourself. Stop blaming the refs for things that you do wrong. Your quarterback threw two interceptions. I thought you the more I honestly thought the more egregious the call zone. was the target on on I, I I'm with you on the was, on the was, on the incomplete. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. It, full speed play speed it looks so I thought live it was incomplete. I was like why are they still playing? Like he balls on the ground. And if, but the more egregious thing to me was the target, but a lot of people disagreed with me on Twitter about this, but I I don't know. I, I saw Trevor Lawrence go in there and dip his head just as much as the as the defender 
whatever. It it gave Clemson the much needed first down that kind of sparked the comeback. But I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just I'm just tired of and it's this isn't I'm picking on the Big Ten a lot because I've seen it a lot with Wisconsin fans. I've seen it a lot with Ohio State fans. Uh, and it's it's not just them. This is a systematic football issue that I don't know if it's just because I've gotten older or because Twitter's gotten bigger and people can kind of, you know, say whatever they want and I can see it immediately or whatever you want to say about it. But I feel like as replays sort of grown into this game, people are constantly blaming the refs for losses, which cannot happen. Because if anybody's got a case to do that this year, it's Alabama. Period. You can talk about the LSU game with the uh, touchdown catch where the guy stepped out and came back in. Whether or not he did, I don't care. You can talk about the Auburn game with the last second field goal in the first half when Alabama lost by three. That, that's Alabama fans could do that all night. But guess what? Alabama threw two pick sixes <laughs> against Auburn, and they had a turnover on the first drive of the game in the red zone where Tua just completely forgot where the ball was in his arm and lost it. Those things can't happen if you want to win those games, period. And I'm not sitting here saying that Alabama fans don't still complain about the pick play from uh, three years ago tonight where Clemson beat Alabama because they absolutely do. And it was a pick play, but we didn't lose the game there. We lost it in the 14 earlier times when we probably should have put Clemson away, and we didn't do it. It was the play calling. It was everything else. Alabama lost that game. The refs didn't lose that game. I'm tired of the ref discussion I'm tired of the refs lost us this game. The refs lost us this game. You don't play 60 minutes for the game to come down on a, a ref decision, on a flag or a no call or a penalty or a targeting. The game is not won and lost there. There's a reason you play 60 minutes. I'm off. I'm off my soapbox. It was a great game. It was super entertaining. I think the two teams who deserve to be in the national championship are in the national championship. I think that this is a year again where the two best teams in the country are going to play for the national title break. Let's go ahead and preview that. national Absolutely. Title, shall we? Is there anything else it. you want to say about the Fiesta? Bowl? I think you just took that and ran with that. I think you're good. I think we're both good okay. on that game. Good buddy. 8 PM Monday night. You've got tickets as low as $843. According can to you, ESPN. Can you even, if you want to get can you in, even believe it. That's that's chump change. The <laughs> exactly. matchup remember last year. I'm sorry. Remember last year's actual championship where you could get in for like, 50 bucks for like a bottle cap <laughs> yeah. and a blow pop sucker. Yeah. 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 It's ridiculous. Uh, now you've got uh, ESPN's FPI gives Clemson a 56% chance to win this game uh, going down to Clemson? New Orleans. That is what ESPN's FPI is saying. Not Man, I, th- I thought I was going to be coming into this with a hot take, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the line right now is six. Uh, in favor of LSU, the over/under is 69 and a half. Nice. Nice. Uh, if I am a betting man, which I am not, most of the time, I would take LSU and the under. Uh, take LSU with the points, and I take the under. Uh, that being said, it would be oh so LSU of them, Rick, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, to come out and lay a complete egg in this game. To come out and Joe Burrow throws three picks and they lose by 15, 16, 17. I could definitely see that timeline. I will, the more likely timeline I see is LSU and Joe Burrow rolling over an injured Clemson team. I will take what you're saying, that first point, and I'm not going to give you a complete egg. I won't go that far. I'm not going to say it's Alabama last year. But I'm going to say it would be oh so Clemson to cause that to happen. And 
Mm. It sounds like you're taking LSE, which is what most people are doing. And I got sort of. You know, you're a hipster. Sort of. Got you. No, and this isn't. See, that's the thing is this isn't me trying to be. I'm not a contrarian sports fan. I'm not the contrarian guy. I just say how I feel. And I did say that back in October, I've, uh, I've said multiple times on the podcast and everywhere else, sitting here today, I think Clemson wins the national champ. You've heard me say that. Yeah, sure. So, but here's why. LSU's been awesome. And LSU, I would not be surprised if they come out, take control of this game, and never lose it. Um, there is just part of, it's just, I can't get Clemson out of my mind. Every, to- every time we expect them to lose in the playoff, they win. Every time. Right? Both times they beat Alabama in the national championship, they were the underdog. Alabama was supposed to beat them last year, pretty easy, and especially the year that they beat that Deshaun Watson beat them. That was the to that point. That was people were talking about the 2016 Alabama team as one of the best teams in college football history. They were they were being constantly compared on the internet to Miami in 2001. Everybody forgets that now, and for good reason because you know they effing lost, but they lost, yeah, right. So they shouldn't. You know, it's like the Patriots aren't the best team of all time in football because they lost the Super Bowl. Um, but it's just every, every time they, 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 they are the underdog in these playoffs, Dabo finds a way to get them to win the game. It's just every time when they lose, it's when we expect them to win, right? When Alabama beat them in 2015, Jake Coker at quarterback, Deshaun Watson was the Heisman guy, the Heisman finalist that they hadn't lost. Alabama lost Ole Miss that year, right? Clemson was supposed to beat them. Clemson was favored. Uh, the year that Alabama beat them in the sugar bowl. In the, in the semifinal, Jalen Hurts had been struggling. Alabama actually lost their last game that they played against Auburn. The last time they took the field, they lost. Clemson hasn't lost yet. Well, I mean, actually, they did lose, but they were playing at a much higher clip at that point. Alabama beat them. Let me, so, let, me, let me ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's just part of me that goes, Brent Venables, with two and a half weeks to prepare, is going to find a way to just slow down LSU. LSU has not played a tough defense, especially outside of Death Valley all year. They, they, they played Auburn at home. I think that's the last, and they played Florida at home. But I don't remember which game was first. I guess that Auburn was first. They haven't played a tough defense in, in two months, more than two yes. months at this point. And there's so just a part of me that I thinks was... that Venables is going to be able to find a way to just make LSU uncomfortable for long enough like he did against Alabama twice, that they're going to find a way to pull it out. It's going to be close. I'm not, ex- but I I feel like Clemson wins. So now that you've argued your point, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick LSU. I'm gonna give 30 seconds, and then we're gonna do a little exercise. 30 seconds to why I think LSU wins. Uh, LSU is probably the luckiest team as far as injuries are concerned going into a national title game I have ever seen. Um, you look at their injury report, it is staggering the amount of starters that started day one that are still on the team who not only are not injured right now, have not been injured all season. Now, granted, their best player on the defensive side of the ball did suffer a pretty significant injury, was out for a good length of time, but again, they were playing, I think, like Central Arkansas State Tech, so it didn't really matter. Uh, He was in for the Alabama game. You could have just said Arkansas, and that would have been worse. (laughs) <laughs> it would have been way worse than cast. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I, I think that LSU has completely steamrolled everybody they've played, and I, I think they're a little less injured than Clemson is right now. I'm still not convinced that Trevor Lawrence is at 100% um, after the game that he had in the playoff. Uh, he's been 
pretty lights out. And this is this is what we're going to do now is you've picked Clemson to win this national title. I've picked LSU. Now we're going to flip. I'm going to give you reasons why I think Clemson's going to win the national title. I want you to tell me why you think LSU could win the national title. I'll go first. Over the past five games, and you kind of already touched on it, and I'm kind of mad at you about it because I thought I was going to come in with some some pretty good stuff. Uh, Clemson has drummed NC State, Wake Forest, South Carolina, Virginia, and then they got to Ohio State, and they suffered some adversity. They had to overcome a pretty significant deficit for a playoff game, but Trevor Lawrence just found a way to get it done. He just became the guy that put on the helmet. It, it reminded me of, of Tebow, reminded me of Cam, that when the going got tough, he just came in and just grinded until the score looked better. Just chipped away at the lead over and over again, did everything he could on every single play to get just one more yard, to just make a little bit, to put a little bit more mustard on that pass. Leg out that run a little bit. Don't get out of bounds as quickly as you normally would. He's just a gamer, and I hate that word, but that's just that's how he is. He's just going to go out and do whatever he can to win the game. Uh, on the other side of the ball, LSU has not played, especially in the past five games, they've not been challenged at all, not even close. Uh, the closest margin of victory uh, on this in the past five games is ironically at Ole Miss where they won by 21 points. They clubbed the number four team two games in a row to death. Uh, the first time being Georgia winning 37-10. The second time being Oklahoma 63-28. If LSU gets behind early in this game, I'm not sure they're going to be able to come back and win it. I, I don't think that Joe Burrow... Bless you, Jade. I don't think that Joe Burrow bless has you, Jade. that ability. Patrick says bless you as well. Thank you. I don't think that Joe Burrow has really the ability that... Trevor Lawrence does, or not the ability, the experience that Trevor Lawrence does in coming from behind in big games like this, which is ridiculous to say because Trevor Lawrence is a sophomore and he's made it to play off in the national title game twice. Also, did you know nuts. against Ohio State that's the only time he's ever trailed in a game, I believe, like that? Not trailed, but what was the, what was, was some yeah. kind of stat like that, like late in, I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah. No, so I, I think, I, I think that's, that's my argument as to why Clemson will win it. Um, if I, if I had to give one, but I'm still going to take LSU. Um, I'm going to take LSU by, I'll, I'll take them by eight in this one. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really weird scoring game too. I, I like a lot of field goals. I could see like a, like a weird late onside kick recovered, go for two situation that makes it a weird score line. But I don't think we hit the seventy points that the over under is at right now. I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go thirty one twenty I'll go thirty one twenty three in this one, uh LSU. Uh all right. Well here's why LSU will win, even though again I picked Clemson, but you asked me to do this. Uh, they'll win because I they've did. been the best team in college football this year. Uh they'll win because Joe Burrow has been the best, you know, has the best season at quarterback that we've seen in quite a long time. Uh, they they have this, the most perfect combination, perfect storm, I should say, of 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 just offense coordinator schemes that I think maybe we've seen since the year that FSU put together with Jameis Winston. Just you know the way they their offense is sort of steamrolling everybody, despite and actually FSU's defense was good that year, but it doesn't matter what the defense is doing because the offense has been that good. Um, 
and they'll win because nobody's been able to remotely challenge them when it comes to stopping the ball. Not anybody. Not the good defenses they faced and not the bad defenses they faced. Um, I mean, I can sit here and try to talk myself on LSU, obviously. Uh, and, then, and they'll win... Uh, and the way, like I said, because of the best team in the country. But I don't know that the best team in the country has won the college football national championship as often as they have it the last several years. I don't think the best team won it last year. I don't think the best team won it when Bama won it. I don't think the best team won it the year before that when Clemson did. I think it's been a while. Maybe Ohio State? I don't yeah. know. So that's what's interesting. Is the uh, It's an intriguing It's, it's the greatest. It's... Mm. It's the greatest sport in the world for a reason. And that's, in my opinion, you have to stay absolutely perfect to win it. Even if you lose a game. And I know that's that's contradictory. But I think in your losses, you have to remain perfect as well in the sense that a loss doesn't get you down and ruin your season. Right? And Certain certain teams have a little bit more leeway than others. In the NFL, you're hitting a a point in time now where the norm is becoming a Super Bowl champion who loses six times in a season, yeah. and that's a good team, right? They they've put together a good season. If they they only lost six times, yeah, that's great. And I hate that about the NFL, and it's a lot of reasons why people hate college football. It's because the losses just absolutely punish you. But you're you're getting two teams now. One of these teams is going to come out severely disappointed after only losing one game where both of these teams had one other close game this season. Clemson's being UNC and LSU's being Alabama. Uh, and I, you could argue that LSU and Auburn and LSU and Florida also played close games, but if you watch those games, they weren't as close as the Alabama game at the end. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be heartbreaking for one of these teams and one of these fan bases. I don't think it's going to wipe them off the map. I think you could make a very good argument that both of these teams could be back in the playoff picture next year. Uh, but I, I think this is going to be an awesome national championship. Some people, and what I would like to start calling it here, uh, have started calling it the Tiger Bowl. I think that makes the most sense. Um, it, it's going to be an awesome night. I, I can't wait to watch it as a fan. Um, and I can't wait to uh, talk to my best friend in the whole world about it afterwards. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch it. I actually don't think I watched the last national championship game that Alabama wasn't in. I think I, I don't. I did, actually, I did not watch Ohio State-Oregon. Couldn't tell you why. I was a different kind of football fan back then. I was probably salty, right? I just was a little different. I will watch every snap of this game. Yeah, I'm kinda, I agree. I'm kind of past being salty to the point where I won't watch the national championship if Alabama's not in it. So I've grown yep. as a person. <laughs> I think we all have. Uh, let's talk right quick. Let's, let's hit some college football headlines. Uh, you've got the coaching carousel. Excuse me. You've got uh, Tua announcing his his departure from Alabama. Um, you've got Jake Fromm announcing his departure from Georgia. Brick, where do you want to start this one? Uh, we'll start with Tua. We'll start with Tua. Let's start with Tua. That was the big you news were, at the beginning were in of the, week. the room. I was. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what Tua said, whether or not you were surprised by it, um, and whether or not you think it was a good decision. Uh, for him, we, we won't really talk about Alabama. We'll, we'll have lots of opportunities to talk about where Alabama goes from here. Um, when we get closer to the springtime and when we start making some of those episodes towards next season, talk to me right now about, uh, what you, what you thought about that day, whether or not you thought it was a good call. Biggest press conference in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, since 13 years ago, when Nick Saban stepped off that plane, it's big, lots of people there. Um, and yeah, he came out. I was not surprised. It's funny. There were a lot of whispers um, that he was 
you know, going to come back. There are a lot of people that kept tweeting things like, be ready for the internet to break. Uh, Alabama football account tweeted a bunch of dominoes falling uh, when uh, Moses said he was coming back. Bad call at the time. But um, I wasn't shocked. I never fully came around to thinking he was coming back. I actually sort of started to lean that way. But that's only because other people were tweeting all these cryptic things. But at the end of the day, it's it's the move that just it 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 makes all the sense in the world. It it was the right yeah. it was the right move from from a if there was a right and wrong. And I told you this the, in the days leading up. I don't know that there was a right and wrong for two. Everybody talks so black and white all the time with football. Like football players are just robots with everything's black and white with them. Take the money, don't take the money. You can improve your draft stock or not improve your draft stock. But these are people, and that's. That's the part that a lot of people don't think about, right? Uh, Matt Barkley went back to USC because he wanted to keep being a college student and get his degree, right? And he, yeah, he would have been the number one pick had he come out as a junior, and he wasn't. And that's okay because he made a human decision, a human risk, and he made a human decision. Uh, To talk about my own guys, uh, Tim Duncan played four years at Wake Forest, even though everybody knew he was going to be the number one pick after his freshman year. Because he promises, because he promises parents uh, before they died that he was going to get his degree, and he kept that promise. It's just that there's a human aspect to these decisions that a lot of people, especially the talking heads, the draft nicks, don't take it in consideration. So I'll get on my little Tua soapbox and why even him coming back wouldn't have been a bad idea, and that's because he had a gruesome injury, right? He had a gruesome injury, a scary injury for a for a twenty a young you know. 20, 21 year old kid. It's scary. It's a scary time to be a, a, a person that part of your life. And you know how family oriented he is and how his family moved here from Hawaii. And, you know, he's close to all of them. He's got a bunch of cousins. His family goes even beyond just his parents and, and, and Talia. He's got sisters. He's got cousins. His eighth grade cousin just got offered by Mike Loxley at, at uh, Maryland, by the way. He's got a big extended family that all came here to be around Tua. So, He's a human, and he's scared, and he has a long way to go to be able to throw a football again. And he's got a comfort zone, and the more comfortable he is, the better he'll he'll uh, recover. So maybe he didn't want to put his recovery in the hands of a bunch of strangers on some football team, on some professional team that don't know him as a person, that haven't spent the last three years with them, Right. Maybe he yeah. doesn't want to do that. Now, he did. At the end of the day, he decided that that was the move and he can do that and everybody's got his best interest at heart. But I could understand in his situation going, I don't know the Chargers training staff. I don't know the Dolphins training staff. I can stay at Alabama, be with my people, the people I know, the people that I have relationships with. And that would have been a fine decision. But he would have gotten, my thing is he would have gotten raked over the coals by most people outside of Tuscaloosa had he gone the other way. Again, I applaud his decision. I think it is black and white. If all things considered, it was the right decision. But him coming back would not have been the wrong one, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think if you want my thoughts on Tua, you can go to our uh, website. Go to patsinterference.com slash thoughts. Uh, I have put everything that I could possibly think of about Tua uh, in there. Um, You've talked about his decision. I'm going to talk about his legacy a little bit. I think he statistically and otherwise will go down and should go down as one of the greatest uh, college quarterbacks to ever spend the football. Um, the way he threw the ball, the way he saw the field, 
how automatic passes were um, are things that are just very, very rare nowadays. Uh, or getting, I, I should say they're getting less and less rare, but they're very, very rare in sports uh, when a guy can just come in and take over and just be that guy. Um, and, and Tua was that. Uh, it was exhilarating to watch him play. Uh, the way he entered the game um, and the national title will never be outdone. Uh, it may be copied, but it won't be outdone. Um, it's it's a legendary story that, uh, despite having two conference titles, a national championship, a runner-up to the Heisman, uh, and a Maxwell Award, will have a sad and sort of um, incomplete ending, which I, I think there's a, a very, like, sad beauty to that. Um, and there's, you know, I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I talked about it in that piece that I wrote. The immediate nostalgia that I think every Alabama fan felt as soon as it was kind of common knowledge that it was over. And then obviously we made it official the other day where it was, wow, never going to get to see him play in an Alabama uniform again. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's very sad. But at the same time, you know, he was, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. I'll never let anybody talk me out of that. I don't consider me being a homer by saying that. Um, he He truly is one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. And I really, really hope he has a great NFL career. Uh, I have no idea how that's going to look. Yeah. If he, I, I if he has, no here's the thing. If he doesn't, if he gets hurt or just has an average NFL career or, you know, doesn't have whatever, it, he will he will fade from a lot of people. And that's fine. I mean, you know, revisionist history. If he goes out and kills a revisionist history, it's, people are going to be like, and man, he was so dominant at Alabama, you know? Yeah. But. Yep. You're correct. You're correct. Nobody remembers uh, names like Danny Vorfel. You know, like it just doesn't right. happen. People from Nobody, Gainesville have to constantly remind you how good Danny Warfel was. Nobody, nobody's going to look back at Marcus Mariota and say that he was just absolutely incredible. And well, you know, here, I think here's unless... another thing. Um, just revisionist history. A couple of years ago, uh, it was all the talk about how how Deshaun Watson was robbed of the Heisman. Remember how often people were saying he was robbed of the Heisman? Nobody yep. says that anymore. You know why? Because Lamar Jackson's about to win NFL MVP. Nobody feels that because of what he's doing in the NFL. And I actually yep. feel like Deshaun Watson deserved that Heisman. Or D.D. Westbrook you. deserved that Heisman more than Lamar Jackson, who lost to Kentucky that season. But nobody says that anymore because of what he's doing now. If he goes out and Robert Griffin's it, if he goes out and goes into Robert Griffin mode, and this is the last we see of, I don't expect it to happen, but if Lamar Jackson fades yeah. and Deshaun Watson goes on and starts winning playoff games, people will come right back. Deshaun Watson was robbed of the Heisman. Peyton Manning's another one. Just You can go on and on. Slaves to the moments. I think there are some outliers. I think Cam Newton and Tim Tebow are those outliers. Um, not saying that they were robbed of the Heisman, but their their pro careers didn't really pan out how they thought they would, maybe. Uh, and they're still highly touted as some of the most dominant college football players of all time. I would agree on be. I would agree on Tebow. I mean, Newton won an MVP, went to a Super Bowl, and he's not he might not play for the Panthers anymore, but somebody the 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 Raiders or the Bucks. You mean Cam? Cam, sorry. You said Tebow. Uh, yeah. yeah, somebody, the Raiders or the Bucks, are about to give him twenty-something million to be their starter next year. Yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see, but I think uh, like look at Johnny Manziel. Right. You know, nobody's you nobody's can and you can Johnny make Manziel. the case that he was the best college quarterback ever. You really could. could. You could make you that could. case, and I would I would line up behind you and start trying to support you if people are telling you you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's so anyway. Back to two. I think. His legacy is he's the best in Alabama uniform to ever do it. There's a no question there. 
And had he um, had he been more healthy, had he been healthy longer, I think he would have. I think he would have won Heisman this year if he stayed 100. percent I think he would have won, yeah, he- won Heisman the year before had he stayed 100. percent Two two yeah, years of 100 percent Tua might have resulted in two Heisman's, but it's a shame we'll that the know. way it went. We'll never know. Whatever. Uh, some other announcements you had. Uh, Jake Fromm announced he's coming out. Smart or not? Uh, see, that's the thing. Is a lot of people are. Saying that that was stupid that he – I think it's fine. I think it's smart. You know, I, I what, don't what, think – here's my thing is I don't think his draft stock improves if he stays a year at Georgia. Yeah, you know, I mean, he re- – obviously the – I don't know that he regressed. I think he's pretty good. I think the offense regressed. His receivers were awful, and the play calling was suspect. I don't know that that would have improved next year. It would probably would have gotten slightly better. But you know who he has to go against next year in the draft? Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence and Justin Fields. Yep. So it's like – So, I mean, it's it, – he, it's not a thing. You no, know, the irony of it now is he's going to be drafted behind Jacob Eason. I don't know that he will. Maybe I don't know. I don't know where he's at. I think I heard somebody say today he's fifth. He'll go after Burrow. He'll go after Tua. He'll go after right Herbert. Right now they've got Eason at third. Um, a lot of people have Eason above above of Herbert right now. Yeah, that's that's messed. Up. I'm not a Herbert guy, but Eason has never shown me that he's an NFL guy. No, I completely agree. And then there's that Jordan I mean, Love guy from Utah State. But listen, Fromm could go out and kill the combine. I don't think he will. He's not that physical specimen. No, but you know what I'm saying. No. Somebody might yeah, fall in I, love with them. I do. Last thing we need to talk about, coaching carousel. Lane Kiffin taking the Ole Miss job. Uh, Mike Leach taking the Mississippi State job. Leading for the greatest Egg Bowl of all time next year. I'm very excited for that. Brick, do you expect either of them to truly succeed in the SEC? Um, I, I, I think we have to know what these programs are to, in order to say succeed. Um, I think Leach will be a good fit um, because if, if Mississippi State can tell themselves, like, right, we're not going to fire the guy if he's not winning the West because the best coach they've ever had in their program's history never won the West. And that's Dan Mullen. Right. So he can go in there and he, he can fit in like a glove if they'll, if they'll embrace him, right? He can, that's, that's what Mike Leach is. And that's what Mississippi State should be fine being, right? Because Washington State was nothing before Leach got there and they never won the Pac-12. They never really truly were a playoff or a national title contender, but they were annoying as hell. And they'd beat some teams or they'd give teams fits. They'd win six, seven, eight games a season consistently. They never won ten, but they were they were a nuisance, right? And Mississippi think, State needs to be okay being that, right? They can beat Texas A&M. They can beat Ole Miss. They might even beat Alabama one day. They could beat LSU every – They, you know, Mullen used to beat LSU every now and again. And if, if they're okay with that and being fun as hell while doing it, he'll fit in like a glove. Lane Kiffin that's, is that's a little my, different. That's my point with that. I think uh, I, I would give the edge to Lane Kiffin in this instance, and I'll explain why in a second. I think that I've always, <clears throat> excuse me, I love Mike Leach. I absolutely adore him. I think he's great for the sport. I think he's entertaining as hell. I think he's somebody that has made mistakes, has admitted those mistakes to himself, and he's moved on. Uh, he's never been very apologetic for things that he's done. Uh, he sticks to his guns. I like him. I think he's great for the sport. I don't think he's a national championship caliber coach. Obviously, we don't think Mississippi State's a national championship caliber program. No, they won't ever have one. I have be- always contended that Mike Leach is great for putting butts in the seats. And right now, that's what Mississippi State needs more than anything. Okay, But there's a reason that Mike Leach is one of the last air raid offensive coaches of all time or uh, in college football, right? 
and he's great. Don't get me wrong. And the air raid's awesome uh, if you can make it work in that program. But I think Mississippi State fans are going to get very, very tired very, very easily of having games where they're throwing for 500-plus yards and losing by 14. They don't. I, I really they really shouldn't be, though. They're, there's, then, that, then they're completely blinded as a fan base if that's, yeah. if that's where they end and up. You're, you're right, but I'm just saying that's how I could see this ending is they're in the SEC. The SEC is not – and like I said, there's a reason he's one of the last air raid coaches in college football. It doesn't work that well anymore. Now it's all about RPOs. It's all about running the option. It's all about having a quarterback that can hit slants, out routes, these quick passes, and then going up top for a big for a big fly route or post route or you know skinny post or something like that or dumping it off to the tight end or checking down. It's not the air raid offense where you line up in the shotgun, you snap it, you know, and you don't run the hurry up. You just kind of huddle up and you call the next great pass play. And college football has kind of gone away from that. You've got to have a mixture of a run. You've got to have at least a threat of a run. Um, with Lane Kiffin, you've got what the trend is right now. You know, you saw it at Alabama. He took it to FAU. FAU did the best that they could. I think the track record is trending a little bit better for Ole Miss at this point. Uh, but I don't expect either of these programs to soar into the upper echelons of college football with these hires. I do expect them to win a lot more games than they were and put a lot of butts in the seats. You're, Lane Kiffin, I think Mike Leach will be at Mississippi State either as long as he wants to be there or as long as Mississippi State will have him. I don't know. I'd agree Mike Leach isn't an up-and-comer. Mike Leach doesn't... I mean, he of course, he has aspirations to win a national championship and be in a big program, but I don't know that a big program, unless he goes out there and he's winning 11, 12, 13 games at Mississippi State, which I don't think he'll do, obviously. I don't know that some bigger program, Florida's not going to come knocking on the door. Like, Dan Mullen was an up-and-coming coach. If he kept winning at Mississippi State, it was only a matter of time until a bigger program came. Same thing goes with Lane Kiffin. If Lane Kiffin wins a bunch of games at Ole Miss and finishes second in the West, it, it won't be long until uh, I don't know, Washington or a, 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 you know, just a, a, a Michigan or a, I'm not saying it's these schools specifically, just a, a bigger program comes and says, you know, a Notre Dame, a Florida, Ohio State, you know what I'm saying, Oklahoma, says, hey, hey, Lane Kiffin, you've repaired your image, come coach for us. Yeah. No, I could see it. I could see, uh, yeah. Uh, Lane I think Kiffin still wants to go right his USC wrong. Yes, but I don't think he's ever going to get that chance. No, I don't think he will, but. Um, but you're right. He does want to write that wrong. Uh, other vacancies, you got Baylor open. Obviously, Washington State's open now. Um, some names are being tossed around, but really it's just kind of a waiting game at this point. See uh, McElwain for Washington State. Not that, that that's disappointing if you're a Washington State fan, but. That's not I ideal. Just, that's that's not a good leap, but you're right. It may be, you it know. It could be a good it, fit, but I'd just go ahead and promote a Mike Leach disciple than Mac, yeah. McElwain. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, Brick, is there anything else you want to talk about from college football uh, that we may have missed? Um, I know we were gone for a while, but I think we hit most of the main topics. Um, No, I mean, the, those are the big, those are the big coaching things. Uh. I don't know. FSU got a new coach. I can't remember if we talked about that. Good for them. It's good. Good for them. I'm just trying to think if we missed anything major. Uh, hey, that Kentucky Belk Bowl was good. You were there. It's great. Like, I was there. I'm surprised it we was didn't awesome. talk about it. How, does, how has Kentucky been able to 
do what they've done this season with a wide receiver at quarterback. That's all. I guess we're done. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It was it was a great episode. Uh, do you have a sound off, my friend? Oh, yeah. Let me stop this. I actually do. I started playing the music. Uh, but I, I do have something I want to say. Start. I can't remember if it's a... Uh, I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast before and I'm just rehashing an old sound sound off or if it's a tweet. I know I've tweeted it, but uh, Coca-Cola is sitting on a on a what I believe to be a gold mine that they just aren't taking advantage of. Their 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 best product is is sitting in the back of shelves at Walmart's and Sam's Clubs and Targets and sitting in the corner. They should Walmart needs to be not sorry, Coca-Cola needs to be putting vanilla Coke and fountains all around the country. Not these stupid Coke Freestyles. You're not, preaching the good word. And not these Coke Freestyles that I hate, by the way, where no matter what flavor you pick, it tastes like some... Watered-down garbage. Not even watered-down. It's obviously the same... Different flavors are coming out of the spout all day, so you're getting this weird mixture of every flavor in your Coke. I hate those, but I hate the Coke Freestyles. I've done, but I've done that sound off before. I did break one at Zaxby's. You were there. Uh... I've actually done. I I know I've done that sound off on this podcast. How how much I hate yes, the Coke freestyles, but you, you have regular fountains, regular fountains. Coca Cola vanilla syrup should be in every restaurant around the country. It should be sitting right there next to Coke and Diet Coke. That should be option three. Get Coke Zero out of here. Nobody cares about that. Everybody that cares about Diet Coke is fine with Diet Coke. They know what they're doing, right? They know it's not as good. But they've gotten used to it. So just take out Coke Zero. Put vanilla Coke on there, man. And the, and the Coca-Cola orange vanilla failed. Not that good. It's decent. Not good. Better on ice than it is out of the bottle. Coca Coke Vanilla Coke should be in every fountain. It should be a staple. It should be at McDonald's. It should be at Mama Goldberg's. It should be at Pizza Hut. It should be everywhere. That's mine. Yeah. My sound off. Uh, stop hating on people who don't like breakfast that much. <laughs> Jade. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. My, yes, you my are. wife loves, my wife loves, no, 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 no. Yes, you this are. happened at work. Mm. This happened at work. My wife loves breakfast. She knows I'm not a huge breakfast person. If you follow me on Twitter, you watch that saga unfold Saturday live, probably because you just woke up and you're looking at your phone while my wife was staring at me like we were about to go to world war three uh, because we didn't have any breakfast food in the house, and we eventually went to Waffle House and had a great time. I was recounting this tale at work. Hey, does your someone... does your wife does your wife know that she married a man who didn't who hadn't ever she been knows. to Waffle House before his junior year of college? She knows. She knows I've that. Told just, her this ma- story many times. just making sure she knew that she was marrying that person. Look, sickness and health. Uh, but no, I I I recounted this story. I'm someone who will take something small, a yogurt a Nutri-Grain bar, something, a banana. Bananas are always great for breakfast. If I want to make breakfast, I'll do it big. The sausage, eggs, bacon, toast, waffles, you name it, I'll make it. Uh, Usually during college football season, obviously this season we're a little busy with the wedding and everything, I will have people over specifically to cook them breakfast food all day. And the rule is you just give me a heads up when you're dropping by so I can heat everything up for you. That's what I've always done. I like it a lot. I think it's a cool tradition. I like breakfast food. I will say that. I'm not a big breakfast eater. I don't like feeling sluggish when I go into work. I'm most productive in the morning. I can get by with a yogurt, take my vitamin C tablet, crank a bottle of water down, and we're good to go by 9.30 a.m., right? Stop 
crapping on people who don't like breakfast. It's okay. I'm fine. I probably didn't grow as tall as I should have. <laughs> breakfast may have had something to do with that. But stop making it this <clears throat> thing where, oh, well, did you know you're actually you're more productive during the day if you have a bigger breakfast and you eat a lighter lunch and then you have a big dinner? I don't care. I'm in a system that works. I'm happy. Why are you forcing breakfast down my face? I don't want it. If I've got a day off where I can just relax in front of the TV, heck yeah, let's do a big breakfast. Let's go for it. But it's not something that I need. It's not something I require. Stop forcing it down my throat. I don't need breakfast all the time. I'm and my wife likes never, it, that's fine. You don't, never you don't make it. fun of my voice. I, know, I almost never eat breakfast. I mean... I know you don't. Like you said, if I, if, if I get up at like 5.30 or 6 a.m. to start my day, sure. You know, I, I, I'm, I usually get up about 10 uh, because right. I, 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 you know, I'm an evening sports guy, so I sleep in. But um, if I'm up early, I'll, you know, yeah, get it's something. Like, if if I'm fine. if I'm really hungry, yeah, sure, you know, I'll travel. And this but... isn't this isn't a crusade against breakfast people either, because I I know that's what everybody's gonna think walking away. If you're a big breakfast person, have at it. If you're happy and you're not hurting anybody, I'm here to either assist or get out of the way. Here, here's an, here's another thing. Here's another thing. The people that absolutely have to have a cup of coffee in the morning have to have to can't operate without did it. you know did you know that an apple in the morning wakes your body up better than coffee next time apples you, are also impossible to eat though are i you, can't stand i look apples. i look so i've been told i've been told this by my wife I look so good eating an apple. I eat it. Right. I know, like right, we're done. you know how good. No, 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 no. You know the way Don Draper looks when he's drinking a, uh, an old fashioned. Like this. The way this he, is gonna get weird. I can already it's, tell it's gonna no. Get it's not. Weird. It's not weird. It's not. No, this isn't like a like I look sexy eating an apple. I just kind of have a you know you know Don Draper looks cool at drinking a uh, an old fashioned in a bar. I look I look pretty decent. I'm pretty. I'm good at eating apples. I am not biting on the sluggo route you're trying to run with. I look good eating an apple. Don't I'm not shy away up. from this. I'm I'm staying back five yards, and if you want to run the go route, we can run. You know the way you know the way King Joffrey used to sit on the throne where he like kind of slouches with his arm on the like I. It's twelve thirty in the morning. Can I just? Can I just say my words? Okay. I look pretty good. Fuji, Fuji apples are my favorite. I'm just next time. Next time a coffee person's like, I just I can't I can't I and they actually I'm fine with people drinking coffee in the morning. It's people that act like a jerk to you because they haven't had their coffee that I'm saying this to. Yeah, right? yeah that's rude. Right, people that are rude and then go, well, I haven't had my coffee yet. Apples wait, and actually next time you wake up and you're feeling super whatever. You know, like, oh my gosh, I can't make it. Can't believe I had to wake up early. Eat an apple. It really, genuinely does jumpstart your day. You know what? You know what thought I just had? Honey, did we get an apple core for our wedding? There was one on the registry. Did we get it? No. That's the widest conversation we've had today, <laughs> but no, apparently we did not get an apple core. Yeah, I love those. Ours broke recently, but they're good. Since you're bad at eating apples, you don't, you're not as good as me. I, I just don't like them. They get stuck in my teeth. I don't want to spend all morning picking crap out of my teeth. How are you eating your apples? Like a man. Clearly not. <laughs> it's it's running down my beard. Whew. You've never you've never blushed until your wife has said to you, You look really good eating apples, babe. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode, this college football podcast. 
that you've been listening to. It has been a dream of ours for a long time to do this, and you make that dream possible. Please follow us on social media. Enjoy the national championship. Uh, nothing better than doing this podcast with my best friend, whole world. Whole world. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. <laughs> <laughs>